0: Right, Rich, how much for that signed treble DVD that you mentioned in the chat?
1: Thirty five pounds.
0: Alright, how about twenty five? No. Uh twenty six? No. Twenty seven? No. Twenty four? No. Uh what about twenty eight with the further seven million to be spread out over the course of the next seven years? No. Okay. Um twenty seven, that's my final offer no all right how about 26 rich rich oh don't worry you'll come back no problem Ladies and gentlemen welcome to this week's Red Voices, a pleasure as always to have you with us and this week we've got an incredibly fun game to cover, Manchester United's 3-2 somewhat fortuitous win over Brighton on Saturday afternoon. You've got and Leonard and Richard Can to discuss the antics but before that Richard how are we? I'm not bad actually, not bad.
1: It would have been a lot worse had the game ended about a minute before it did yesterday.
0: I mean, if it actually had ended when the initial full-time whistle went, I think yes. we would have been discussing a very, very different game and a very, very different result. Somehow yeah, we scummed yeah, our yeah. way, scumbag FC, no less, mm. to that victory, which was completely ridiculous. But before we mm. get onto that, I want to just start with this incredible point. Why don't you discuss what happened when that uh, cross goal went in at uh, 93 minutes or so?
1: Yeah, so so I'm sat in the living room watching it with... My partner and well, my, my partner and her daughter were not watching it. They were waiting to use the TV. Brighton equalised in what ninety fifth minute. I launched my phone across the room, kind of went into the kitchen, and got up and stomped off, and then picked up my phone, sort of stomped around a bit, came back again. By which time, my stepdaughter had turned the TV off. I was incredulous again, so she turned it back on again. And the United had a penalty. Yeah, which was it's good which fun. Was excep- it was very
0: exceptional. <sighs> How on earth? did United get through that game with that performance, with the incredible way in which Brighton and Hove were clearly destined to abuse the woodwork and get away from a victory. That is one of the most freakish results I can remember in United's history, let alone the five years that we've been covering the team. It's just ridiculous. Wow. Uh, I mean... I guess you know we'll come to the looting game in midweek a little bit later on, but we'll start here. I mean, after the performance against Palace, you know, we were all saying the same things. We wanted to see an uptick in form. We wanted to see more effort. We wanted to see more intensity because United was so poor against Palace in that first game at Old Trafford last week. And uh, did you really feel over the course of the ninety minutes, United really stepped their game up from last week? Because I'm not sure I did. <laughs>
1: no again it was it, it was very very lax the tempo was lax the passing was was poor everything was at, in second gear the transitions weren't good we our defense defensively we we were pretty much all at sea again all out of position which which Ollie said it's just one of those it's one of those games isn't it one of those games in in football where it's the reason we love football because you can be absolutely useless for 90 minutes and still scab a win and i guess the one thing united have even when they're not playing ba- not playing well is individual talent that can do something special when it when when it's needed, um, mm. and I guess that the, that the difference in that in that game was the quality at one end versus the quality at the other end. And Brighton fluffed their lines five, five six times, and um, and United kind of made the most of every opportunity they had. I guess,
0: yeah. I mean, if Premier League records are correct, then that is more times a team is at the woodwork I think in a recorded game Um, which is ugh, good grief Brighton I think deserve a lot of credit for the way they approached the game because the way they looked at United in the opening sort of 10-15 minutes even 20 minutes you could say they essentially waited for United to see what they were made of and once they figured out there wasn't really much to threaten them with they started to make some really good chances. And it was Trossard's first shot on the post when United just was standing off a little bit and allowed Brighton that 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 space and that time to actually get a shot in. And that, that sort of approach, that standing off of Brighton, allowed them to really get, maybe not control, but confidence that they could attack us. Because I don't think Brighton really controlled the game, so to speak, but I think it was more that they felt like they could really damage United if they you know turn the screw a little bit more and especially in that first half united weren't really up to snuff i mean i guess you're talking about individual brilliance the fact that united still had two goals uh correctly chalked off or offside during the course of the game shows that when you give this team chances and united break they're still deadly absolutely deadly and it was only a couple of loose you know not quite keeping behind the last man that stopped united actually perhaps doing better and getting a slightly less scummy result as a, as a result of that. But I'm kind of n- unsure about properly where to place that performance, bearing in mind that it wasn't really that much of an uptick from the previous week. But how much mitigation do we allow that?
1: I think, I mean, we saw that the, the one enormous weakness that United had was in, in our right-back area um, uh. and, and Brighton's left. It looked to me like Aaron Wan-Bissaka was completely gassed by half-time you know, if we look, if we look, look, look back on that with hindsight, we shouldn't be that surprised, given that that's essentially his first competitive. Well, it's 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 his first game of that length. He's put in that many minutes since the end of last season. Um, you know, he's had next to no preseason because because he had to quarantine, and so he's just kind of been been thrown in. He obviously saw him at Luton, but he's just been thrown in to a to a, a far higher paced game and it's clearly just been a bit beyond him at this stage someone made a good point to me on Twitter and it's and it's true and if you think back it, it, there have been lots of occasions when United have started seasons like this really slowly I mean the, the year I look back that I thought of was 2012-2013 not because I imagine there's any chance of this United team going on to win the title but we started with a really rubbish 1-0 loss at Everton then scraped a 3-2 home win over over Fulham and then won. scraped
0: a three-two and mm. away to Southampton.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. You know, won that game at Southampton in a, in, a, in a game that we we really didn't deserve to get anything out of, and scored twice late. And that kind of felt the same yesterday. Just this United just having not got up to f- full speed. And I think you also saw as well that I think we, the last twenty minutes, absolutely everybody was dying on their feet, and that's mm. that's going to happen. I think what's less excusable is what came before that because. It was just too sloppy. I mean, you talked about um, <clears throat> Brighton growing in confidence, but what we saw an awful lot of was United being incredibly sloppy in midfield, um, giving away possession in, in 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 a way that they shouldn't, and then Brighton being able to to pull players forward and, and put pressure on. I don't mind them not being fully fit; that's completely natural. I am not, I don't mind necessarily a scratchy performance, but I, the, it was very, very sloppy. And I mean, I think we both agreed if we don't get any better than that in the next few weeks we'll be lucky to finish in the top eight though, <laughs> let alone the top four so uh, yeah, yeah there's a lot yeah. to Im- there's a lot to improve on
0: yeah it's gonna be an ugly couple of weeks still I feel I mean mm. United have got two more games left before the next international break and that's Brighton again in the League Cup on Wednesday before Spurs visit on Sunday side note I'm sure Mourinho is gonna be relishing that game after what happened to them against Newcastle over this afternoon um But um, I think it's very clear to Oli and to the players that we need to step our game up quite substantially. I mean, you're not going to get many games during a course of a season where you can play that badly in the Premier League and get a 3-2 win. Especially not under the circumstances that we got. But on another day, Brighton could easily have scored four goals, four or five goals. And it's only the frame of the goal that kept them out and that one save... From, I think it was Malpai right at the end, where he's turned in the box and De Gea is obviously, well, it's point blank range and De Gea is basically stood up tall and made sure it hasn't gone anywhere. But it was just, it's not even wayward finishing, it's just down to fine margins that Brighton didn't score more yesterday. And that first penalty, for instance, God, I'm trying to remember who got the initial challenge, and that was Bruno on Lamptey, wasn't it? Yeah, he, oh. he's, Lamptey's had a really encouraging start to the season. You know, he's taken his chance after moving from Chelsea and he's looked really great this season and. Yeah, there's no complaints about that. He got across Bruno, and Bruno's been completely outdone by his pace. And it was a penalty. Um, the Panenka... Um, now, bold. I bold. Quite, very bold for a Premier League game, yeah. I mean, in the World Cup, maybe, if you're Andrea Pirlo, yeah, fine. Absolutely all right. But Neil Mopai doing so... I mean, it's certainly left him open for the level of banter that followed later on in the game, put it that way. But... at that point it really wasn't anything less than Brighton had deserved you know United had struggled to really carry any significant threat prior to that point and yeah it was somewhat surprising because I'd left the room briefly after the first goal to see United suddenly back into the game and it was down to one half decent delivery in from Bruno after the free kick Magic pulls it back and Maguire's putting enough pressure on Dunk to get the own goal and it was good to see United at least respond so quickly wasn't it in the context that obviously we had a pretty wretched first half.
1: Yeah, um, they, they definitely needed to respond because, as you say, it been so. Uh, you know, Brighton had been so dominant in terms of territory and, and chances at that point that it could have got the game could have slipped away. So, so the response was was really needed. But it, the, the the delivery from the uh, from the free kick from Bruno kind of summed up his performance again. It was a really really high quality delivery um and and he kind of in the games veered wildly from the sublime to the terrible and back again and it's 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 really what he kind of does isn't it he tries a hundred things and maybe 70 of them are rubbish but 30 are, 30 are really good and of those 30 maybe two or three actually end up in in a goal um <laughs> you know so yeah i mean it was just a piece of quality i mean watching united have a player who can take set pieces is still novel to me we can't really take that that quality of delivery for granted and yeah we it it made a lot of difference in the game for United to to get level when they did and certainly get level before half time I'd like to say that it it spurred United on to be sharper and more dangerous but it didn't really
0: I mean I think we started the second half a little better I mean it wasn't amazing by any stretch of the imagination but at least it was a little more encouraging you know we had the disallowed goal and again it's a fast break just as we saw in this game a couple of months ago at the Amex And it's Bruno again at the heart of it. A great pass to Rashford. Rashford used to obviously completely leave uh, any sort of political... um, What's the word I'm searching for here? Any sort of activism to the experts and and stop completely what he's doing and concentrate on football. And look what Mm. happens when he concentrates on football. I know, right? I mean, how many turns? Four? Just to get that shot off? I mean, (laughs) if he'd not scored it, there would have been a problem. (laughs) But an absolutely ridiculous finish from the lads. And a great goal. And... Again, it just goes to show that if United do get the ball in dangerous positions like that, we are so much more dangerous when in, in those transitions than we are from building up attacks at the moment. And you'll get those goals frequently in the Premier League because teams will provide you with space, even if they're not trying to. And we'll see that a lot. And Rashford at the minute, you know, he had a great goal against Luton, which we'll discuss, well, a very well worked team goal against Luton, which we'll discuss a little bit later on. But he took that goal incredibly well. And you know, at 2-1, we're all thinking the same thing. There's no way United can grind this game out at 2-1 and try and get the three points and the win from here without really trying to go for a third. And the next, what, 30, 35 minutes after that point? Oh, it was tough watching, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. I should have just add for the for the second goal, Bruno's pass through to uh, Rashford was just disgracefully good. Um,
0: exquisite, was it not?
1: It was absolutely exquisite. Um, Yeah, you, Again, United were playing with fire for the the remaining half an hour of that game, and and when Brighton eventually did equalise, it was really difficult to complain about it. To be honest, um, and, it, and it and it and it was it was doubly frustrating because it was a goal which was scored from a position that I'm sure we were all shouting at our TVs for United and particularly Wan to actually close down again. I mean, the number of times that, that particularly Solly March but but players in the, that left-hand channel were just left completely unmarked when the ball was on the other side of the pitch was just ridiculous. And so I guess it was kind of deserved that that we conceded from that because it had been four or five occasions when we should have conceded from that position.
0: Oh, yeah. You mentioned there Solly March. I mean, I, I think Bruno's probably a little bit more culpable for that goal because he's closer and he's just not tracked mm-hmm. the man at all. I'm not saying that he's the only culprit because as you mentioned there how many occasions were they allowed space in that right hand uh well our right hand channel and mm. they were unlucky not to score in those situations you know i think it was much so trossard actually who blasted one against the crossbar in his third hit of the woodwork during that game mm. and at that stage you're just thinking if united don't don't try and quieten that channel down and get tighter then they are going to get punished and I guess you look a little bit at the bench and you get a bit of a better idea of what Solskjaer was actually going for. So on the bench yesterday, Baye, then guard, Fred, Fossu, Mensah, Henderson, Van der Beek and McTominay. There's no out and out forward there on that bench whatsoever. So no Dan James, no Juan Mata, no Egalo. And I think that's partly because Solskjaer's giving at least some thought to the team he's going to play Wednesday when we play them in the League Cup. And I would imagine that he wants to try and provide us at least with something of a stronger side for that game because he really wants to prioritize after getting into those three semi semi-finals last year, a cup competition, which I understand. But it just left us with no real outlet that we could bring on that could help us really close out the game. We sat back. We got so defensive. Baye came on, essentially made it a back five and he had a good, you know, don't get me wrong. He had a good sort of 20 minutes or 10 minutes or so it was in the end but we ceded the initiative completely and we it's not like we really had much of the initiative to begin with that point you know you mentioned the midfield. you know Paul Pogba came off at 65 minutes again you know mitigating circumstances with him and I try not to dig him out too much because I don't really think that's useful you know I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't be critical of him because it was a bad performance but again the lads just recovered from coronavirus and He's looking every inch of play who's had no preseason. And I would, if again, if we're talking about him and the whole team, if we're still seeing his performances in a month, five weeks or so, then we've got a real problem for the time being. If we can just get through this period as we are, then I think we've just got to take what we can get. But regardless, you know when United eventually conceded that second goal, as it came stunningly enough from United's right-hand channel, and March got that header on it. You know, it, how many times have we seen United fail to hold on to a game with a one-goal lead? It just felt oh. so inevitable that we concede. And again, it sounds simplistic as hell, but Brighton deserved it. They had been up to that point and indeed throughout stoppage time the better side and United didn't really have much of an answer you know they as you said yes we look knackered but we have to have a better idea of what to do in those situations it didn't feel like we had control over that game at all at 2-1 or indeed at any point and then I guess comes the really fun part of yesterday's game, Rich. I mean, you missed, so I'll talk you through it. I mean, it was Donny van der Baker who you'd been calling for to come on, who, you know, has got the energy and the commitment to actually try and chase down a pass from Rashford, I think it was. And he just about manages to win a corner. Now, Maguire again in the air. It wasn't a terrible header, but instantly, as soon as uh, the uh, his header was cleared off the line you're seeing a lot of arms go up and I'm thinking at that stage because the referee's just blowing the full-time whistle that's over it doesn't matter but then you start seeing the replays and we've been speaking a lot in this country about the use of VAR and referees not necessarily using the TV I thought that was an incident and there were a couple during the game you know you think back to Pogba's uh, tackle on Connolly which was initially given as a penalty but then correctly rescinded because there wasn't anywhere near enough contact to justify him going down he's got it completely right. Mope's arm is wildly out in the air. He doesn't need it to be there and he's touched it with his arm. It's a stonewall penalty and as gutting as it might be for Brighton, it was the correct decision and as lucky as it was for United, it was definitely the correct call. And then when it comes to Bruno taking his opportunity, at the minute, is there just any doubt when he's in the penalty spot that he's going to score? I mean, this is probably his most impressive of the lot.
1: Yeah, I think that was his. I think I think I heard yesterday that was his seventeenth consecutive um, successful penalty.
0: I think it so might like be eighteen. It, you know,
1: is it eighteen? Is it well, there you go. It always amazes me. I mean, he's, he's obviously got two techniques for his penalties, hasn't he? He's either got the the little hop and skip and then side foot, where the keeper goes the other way, or the little hop and skip and absolutely lemon it into the top corner. Um, <laughs> and and obviously went for the for, went for the latter, but it amazes me how much power he gets when he does that given that he doesn't have any run-up essentially no run-up um but yeah i didn't ever really fill in doubt did it
0: although i suppose he did at the time <laughs> I, I, I mean i was that, getting out of my seat and pacing around my lounge as yeah the, I, I was pacing as well um well there was such a huge gap between the penalty being uh awarded and bruno actually taking it you know, there's over a minute there and Mm. that's partly because Brighton were in a similar way to PSG when Rashford got his last minute penalty in the Champions League they were really delaying that spot kick You know, the keeper's out, Mm. the defenders are out Fred's doing his big man, hard man trying to defend the penalty taker at that stage to give him the space but no, an excellent penalty there and it changes the complexion of that result completely obviously in the practical sense because we've gone from one point to three but for United to have gotten a result out of that game is big. You know, it, I guess we'll see how big it is by the time we get through that Spurs game next weekend, which is, again, another massive uh, you know, another massive performance is needed from United, especially against Mourinho's, uh, any team that Mourinho is managing. But I think it's really big for this side's confidence because we've seen so frequently over the course of the last seven years in particular how easy it is for United's heads to drop. And I guess that game was perhaps an example that United can still provide miracles even when they don't deserve it. They can still scum their way to a victory and they can provide something worth shouting for even when they're playing nowhere near their best. And I don't know how much of an effect that's going to have on the teams around us because we've seen frequently during Ferguson's tenure how teams were never fully off alert when it came to playing us there was always a danger to united and i don't necessarily think that's a big sea-, sea change in that direction that teams are suddenly going to be scared for a whole 90 minutes plus but it's a valuable victory for us and it gives teams something to think about especially when we can play that badly and still beat a team that played really well you know brighton have had a really tricky start to the season themselves but they played miles better than we did today and i like, had a performance like that the only way is up for sure the one thing that united do have and and that every team will
1: recognize is that, that, that we have a front four who can score goals um, and score goals that's a rel- relatively nothing that's that's all really the united have going for us at the at this point because you could see every single team that plays against us knows exactly what our weaknesses are as well so we're still completely unable to control a game so so while that's the case you're going to have a lot of games like that where it's just essentially a shootout between the two the two forward lines and the ones that are most are most potent or most deadly are going are gonna to win the game. I do think that things will improve as the players get fitter. I mean, as someone pointed out again yesterday, that was, I think, Brighton's fifth competitive game this season, and they had two pre-season games as well. So they, that was their seventh game. And most of that, or a large portion of that United team, were only playing their second game or or two and a bit games, we're still quite away way off fitness. And I do think there'll be some degree of uptick when we kind of start to reach full fitness. And like, it's almost a good in a way that the League Cup is being done as it is with, with the, 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 these, these rounds close together because it means that it's a competition that Ollie doesn't have to super focus on so he can make eight, nine, ten changes in the game, not worry too much about whether we go through or not um, and then put out his best... Or what he considers to be his best side at the weekend for the for the Premier League games, um, but what what this game does, I think, is it, it takes pressure off the the, the second game against Brighton in the week, and he can he can make all those changes, whatever however many he makes. I'm sure it will be at least seven or eight. Um, if United win, that's great. If they don't win, it's not the end of days. Are out of a competition that was stretching an already fairly weak squad in terms of quality, a bit too much anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that was an important win, and an important win for, for Ollie as well. Because regardless of what the the causes are of this this difficult start to the season, it would still be very difficult for him to survive through a a really really tough first one, two, three months of the season. You know, and, and I wouldn't even if even if it went against him and he were de- to lose his job in three months' time, I'd certainly not put the majority of the blame at his feet, but he needs wins now it almost feels like um that period just before the last time united played spurs actually when he was under quite a lot of pressure and he needed to kind of get results and he he managed to get results that, that dragged him through that that sort of winter period and then onto better things and it's i think it's kind of the same again he needs to just he he needs united just to kind of churn out some some wins now even if performances aren't great and get to a point where we can breathe a bit and and actually concentrate more on on style and um, actually trying to blow teams away. So yeah, I mean it's a difficult it's a difficult period for him and, and the club haven't helped. So we have to hope as well that he gets a couple of players in the next week or so.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll discuss that in a minute or two. But I completely agree. I think by hook or Crook, United getting a result in games like this when they're far from their best, when fitness is nowhere near where it should be, when we do have limited options to bring off the bench to really change games. I, I think it's huge. You know, I mean, well, potentially huge, put it that way. You know, and I don't necessarily think that Oli can afford too many more games like that Palace one. You know, I do think, it. as I said, if we're still at this point when we're, scumming our way to victories over the next five or six weeks when we get to early November and United are still playing like this, there's a big problem. And mm. I think that will speak a lot to all these tactical limitations, which we still, there are still big question marks over. you know. And I think that there, were, there was enough examples yesterday of not reading the game well enough or not making decisions quickly enough or seeding the uh, initiative and the game to an extent that concern me but mitigation in full flow, you know, we won and let's look forward to the next one. So let's take a quick break before we carry on. We have a small favor to ask, friends. If you're enjoying the show, please help spread the word. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or any podcast app you use. It's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners and it would be hugely appreciated. Right Richard, Luton on Wednesday, Uh, 3-0 on the end, a bit harsh of a result on our championship opponents in that game but a useful workout for several members of the team who we might not be seeing much more of and some who we almost certainly will. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah I think it was a handy game to have, I mean essentially it was largely Luton reserves as well Um, and while they, they put an enormous amount of effort in the the question was whether United had enough guile to actually break them down, rather than actually I not was felt there was any great threat posed to our defence, and it, and it just did, did give Oli the opportunity to make a load of changes, get players in who aren't um, either aren't fit or who aren't going to be playing in the starting the Premier League games at the moment, and you know got through the game in, in the end. What it did, I think, emphasise again as if we need telling is that particularly the front three the first 11 is an absolute mile ahead of the of the replacements I mean it was interesting as well and this this is something that's really sort of come to light today that even with all those changes there was no sign of Andreas Pereira who it now seems is potentially joining Lazio on loan which I'm sure will upset absolutely none of us so yeah yeah I mean it, it was just a it was a game we had to fulfil, it served a purpose in terms of gaining players' games and fitness, and United ultimately won it pretty comfortably, so there's not a great deal more you can take from that. Van Bake obviously got his first start, and I think he looked quite lively, quite handy, quite neat and tidy as well. You can see he's a very technical, a very proficiently technical player. Yeah, all's well that ended well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think with Van der the, <laughs> I guess the slight concern I had about him playing that game was that you could see him trying a lot of really incisive passes and quick one two touches even though he didn't he wasn't on the ball a lot and a lot of the players around him just weren't on the same wavelength <laughs> i mean i guess that will hopefully change when he starts playing with what you would describe as our de facto starting 11. but eh, that's something to think about i mean again i don't think united were undeserving of the result thought again under the stonewall penalty brandon Williams was no. taken down in the area and You know, the the goals from Greenwood and Rashford, really useful for the two of them. You know, they've had their own troubles during the summer in terms of fitness and some unsavory headlines. So to see them both score and in good good goals as well, you know, the, the goal for Rashford was expertly taken and actually quite well worked. Some really nice touches to set that one up. I think that goal did him some good, as did yesterday's and Greenwood doing what Greenwood does you know he puts defenders on the back foot and forces them into a decision and if they can't get a challenge in he's going to shoot and more often than not from that sort of position it's going to be on target you know and 3-0 in a game like that good to see you know it wasn't particularly encouraging for anything other than seeing United one win and two give some minutes to some players who needed it so encouraging if nothing else you know we go again against Brighton on Wednesday night and you're right, it will be a much-changed side. And I'm, assume, I'm assuming that's going to be on the same on Graham Potter's mm. side as well. So that obviously changes the dynamics significantly. But, you know, with the way that this season is so crammed in, there's an argument to say, you know, is it really wise to be trying to go for a deep run in the League Cup? And I guess by giving game time to so the likes of Igalo and Mata and Dan James, who aren't going to be relied upon heavily in this first team as much as, you, as they would like, mm. there's an argument to say that, He's covering his bases. He's not putting out the youth with an aim to just give them some game time and expecting them to gallantly lose. He's giving game time to players who clearly still want to play for the club, but not putting too much pressure on his main guys to get the job done. So yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see United lift the League Cup. It's been a while since we've done so. And anytime United are up for a trophy, I want to see us go for it. You know, well, I might regret those words when we get through to the final and we're playing games every two to three days in the new year, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, before we get on to, tr- on to uh, questions for this week then, Rich, I guess it's just, is a transfer chat? There's not necessarily a lot to mention. I mean, today, as you mentioned, reports have come out for uh, Andreas Pereira potentially going out on a season loan to Lazio with a rather incredible t- option to buy for 27 million euros. I can't help but feel like Lazio aren't quite going to go for that. But there we go. I mean... Uh, Pereira as clear as it has been that he really wants to try and make it United and as willing as he has been at times and he's not he's not completely stunk the joint out every single time he's played for us he scored some pretty lovely goals but at the same time it's the correct move I didn't see this season what he could provide us that was going to be a step up or really ideally useful on what we're trying to do this season. And I think Ollie realises that despite the fact that that contract was given to him not long after he became caretaker manager. So it's the right call and hopefully for him he'll get a chance to play more regular football and improve on what he has. You know, There are some raw materials there but we haven't seen anything coherent over the many games that he played last season to suggest that he can really quote unquote do a job. I guess the only other thing since last week was uh, Alex Tellis, which uh, thank you for that Andy Mitten on the talk of the devils podcast for getting that one out. So that was useful. That's an interesting one to be playing at left back because we've seen so much of Luke Shaw. And again, he was a guy who didn't necessarily have the best game last week. Uh, what are your thoughts on United bringing in a little wing back this year? I mean, do you think that's the right call? I mean, we're talking a yeah. relatively low fee for a 27 year old.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've spoken about this before. Um, for me, I don't know other people have different opinion on this, but I am never quite sure. They probably sold. do rich. I'm sure they do. It's it's a fairly fairly usual scenario. I'm not completely sold by Brandon Williams as a left as a left back or a left a left wing back. Um I think you you lose a lot by playing a right-footed player there who's not called Dennis Irwin. Um <laughs> and, and I think you saw I think you saw in the game at Brighton that some of the best positions United got into was Luke Shaw surging down the left and, and taking one-twos and actually delivering into the box. And that's something you lose when you play with Brandon Williams there. Um, and so from, from my perspective, it makes sense, particularly if, if Oli really doesn't seem to want Dallow, um, and I'm, I can't believe he really, truly trusts fossey Mensa there, then it makes a lot of sense to me to get another left-footed left-back in, left-stroke left-wing back in left stroke left wing back move Williams over to the right to deputise for Wambisaka and then you can move Dallow out um, and even potentially fossey mensah And I think we'll see, it's, it's a funny old window and I think we will actually see United do quite a lot of business in and out in the final week or so. And I, I wouldn't remotely surprise me if, if Dallow went, potentially fossey mensah went because he's a guy who only has a year left on his contract as well. Yeah, and Brandon Williams moved, he's, you know, moves across to that more natural spot for him, which of course is the position that he, that he put, he played in the in the youth ranks until Ethan Laird broke into the under twenty threes and he was moved across. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Ollie again this week say that he doesn't want or he doesn't think that he needs a centre back and. My um, feeling on hmm. my, no, no. My my feeling on that is that he's been told that you've got seven centre backs at the club, and whilst you might want one who's better, we can't give you another centre back until you've got rid of two or three of the ones you have already got. You know, it's not it's not his fault that Rocco was given a stupid new deal. It's not his fault that Phil Jones was given a stupid new deal. But I can understand why that might be the case so we can't we can't really justify bringing another one in. And ha- having said that as well, I, you know, I, it is repeated that. Um, Ollie really likes Axel to and Zerbe, and it's <clears throat> so frustrating with him. If he could just stay fit, we, we could you know we could see just what he's got. But at the moment, we don't really know. And I do mm. really rate Ted and Mengi as well. And I don't think he's one that we'll see a great deal for the first team this season I wouldn't expect to see him starting games but just to have him in and around the squad and if, if we have a bit of a nightmare injury at centre-back as seems to happen to United almost every season then he might he might get some minutes um but but if you're not going to buy a centre-back if you're not allowed to buy a centre-back then left-back is the next best option I, I, from what I've seen of tellers I don't think he's necessarily the greatest defender in the world but he he's pretty <laughs> proli- he's pretty prolific going forward both in terms of goals and assists. Now obviously he's been doing that in the Portuguese League, which is a different kettle official together, but
0: he, he oh, clearly... Well the last time he brought a prayer in the Portuguese League had really impressive numbers.
1: Well that's true. I, right, can't, yeah. I can't deny it. And one of the frustrations I think for me with Luke Shaw is that his his quality going forward, he doesn't he doesn't produce enough going forward for a left back in the modern game when you when you're kind of looking at if you look at Liverpool with, with Robertson and um Alexander the, the modern fullback is there's a lot more required of them apart from just to defend and and occasionally chip in and throw some crosses in so it would give us another option perhaps if you're playing playing at home against a, a moderate side um that you need to break down that might actually be beneficial
0: yeah yeah i, I mean i think united could do a lot worse if they are not going to buy a center back than give buy a good run in the side and as you mentioned yeah. once two Anzebi's fully fit Give him and Mengi some shouts. You know, mm. I mean, I guess you could say one thing you could say about Victor Lindorf yesterday was he wasn't rubbish. You know, no, and that is high praise considering the bar that was set last week, which was the lowest uh, I think we've seen in this time at United. Mm. It was poor. I mean, Solskjaer must know at this stage that the centre backs that he currently has at his disposal, in terms of the senior ones, are not necessarily fit for purpose. You know, I mean, I would love it if we could find consistency from Eric Bailly, but that's such a punt to take at this point in his United mm. career because you know, injury and sporadic crazy decisions have been a feature of his time at Old Trafford ever since he signed. And as much time as I have for the guy, that is a risk. And I would love to see it pay off, but I'm not necessarily sure United can afford to do that. So giving more time to him and the likes of Two and, and Mengi would being a bit more preferable to me than sticking with Victor Lindelof because ultimately at this stage we kind of know what we're going to get from Victor Lindelof and mm. by on his best day is a better defender than he is even with his eccentricities so that's an interesting one for Oli to juggle and if, if it's true that the club have said to him look we've got to sell some of these guys before we can get someone else in then again that's not Ollie's fault but that's something he's yeah. just got to cope with and that's Partly down to mismanagement from predecessors and partly down to the club's desire to try and protect assets by giving them longer term deals. And I spoke about this a little bit on Twitter during the week. It's all very well and good. United trying to reverse errors from the past by asking more from selling clubs for players that they are trying to get rid of. But we're not talking about high quality, high caliber players that play a lot of football these days. So it's all very well and good trying to get more out of the ones that, you know, trying to sell for more after, you know, giving them these bigger contracts. But some of these players like Jones and Rojo and Pereira, et cetera, are on big money. And Romero in particular as well. You know, we're hearing about that he's on £90,000 per week for a second goalkeeper. That's not ideal. And you can't try and undo mistakes like United have done in terms of trying to keep hold of their, you know, fringe players and try and full clubs into paying more than they're actually worth and you know it, it will bite united in the backside if they're not prepared to make some compromises but again you know I, I think you're completely right in the sense that we'll see a lot more action from united as the window get you know the, the deadline day approaches so Let's see how that one pans out. Not much to talk about from the women's side of things for the time being because they were not playing this weekend due to the Vitality Cup. So let's nip straight over to Twitter questions for this week. First one, Andy McCoy. Much needed to win but still at miles off with a tough run of fixtures coming up. Will we be ready for it? Uh, God only
1: knows. Who knows? <laughs> you know, I, I, if there's one thing we've seen from Ollie, we, I talked about that period when um, when he was really up against it and then United beat Spurs and City. And you know there, there have been two or three times during that last season when you know it looked like things were really turning against him, and then he and United pulled results out and performances out that we really hadn't seen coming. God only knows where we go from here. But I, we've we've seen twice under Ollie he's capable of getting the team on very long unbeaten runs. Um, mm. But we've also had periods of extreme sort of volatility in terms of results as well. So you know I, th- I think that there's one thing we got used to from United in the last six or seven years is is never being able, being sure of anything ever <laughs> and try and trying to predict anything is just absolutely hopeless
0: well i mean we've got brighton on wednesday and then spurs on sunday after the international break it's newcastle followed by chelsea followed by arsenal in the league and i think the champions mm. league comes into effect at the end of next month as well or at least at the midpoint mm. so the fixtures are certainly going to get trickier i mean ooh, i mean with the way chelsea were defending yesterday i mean if we're going to look that far ahead wow I mean that was an incredible result against West Brom yesterday did very well to get back into the game after that nightmarish first half Arsenal I mean that to me is our most difficult assignment before we get to November you know we've spoken a little bit about what Arteta is doing over at the Emirates at the minute and he's drilled that side incredibly well and it's not necessarily that they've had a massive uptick in terms of the quality of the squad he's just got a lot of togetherness there at the moment and a plan a tactical framework and a work rate to go with it that's paying dividends you know they're playing Liverpool tomorrow and it wouldn't surprise me if they get a result at Anfield so we'll see I mean it's difficult to judge I do think the international break might potentially come at a good time um, and even if we get a I mean I'm holding judgement on this I mean if we get a rubbish result against Tottenham next week then I'll try I think Perhaps we'll have to try and ward off being too reactive, but it's difficult. We're playing Mourinho, and those games are emotive, personal affairs these days, aren't they? So mm. it's difficult to judge. I think is the the flaky answer to that particular question. All right, uh, Siddhath Shrikumar, who out of United, Chelsea, and Spurs are going to blink first and get Poch? <laughs> um, I can't. I
1: could. I can't imagine Spurs would do it just because I think that would leave Levy looking very stupid, and I also think that he's enormously emotionally tied to Mourinho um, and I think it would take an awful
0: lot for him to actually sack him oh absolutely yeah I don't I don't think Jose is going anywhere for the time being And no. I think it would it, it wouldn't it wouldn't feel like a very spursy decision to make at this stage alright Bale came no. back but that was a seven year gap I can't imagine him switching and turning and getting potch barely a year after he sacked him so that I mean Chelsea spent what just shy 200 million and they still can't defend to save their lives
1: yeah, I mean, they look great. It doesn't look great, but I think that they're in a in a, in a similar position to United with Oli, and they seem to have completely invested themselves in in Lampard. He'll turn around and say, "Well, yeah, we've spent a lot of money on the attack, but we haven't strengthened the centre
0: back positions really." Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think either of those teams, those managers, are really in under huge pressure at this stage, despite the fact that they've all three had you know difficult results at the start of this season You know, I think it's a discussion to be had more in several months time when we've got a bit of a clearer lie of the land in terms of how the teams are doing in the league and mm. in Europe before we make a call on that one to be honest with you. yeah. Okay, Daz Grier given United's supposed lack of cash why have we spent all summer chasing a £100 million target instead of pursuing more realistic targets and given that we're pursuing him does that not suggest that there is close to £100 million available for the transfers or is it all just posturing? I'll throw this over to the financial expert on the podcast. Yeah,
1: it's, it's a really difficult one because if United were to sign Sancho, that would scare me a bit because having an idea of what the financials look like at the moment, as much as anybody can, given the fact that we haven't um, published our, our end of year accounts yet.
0: Which we're very tactically doing after the window is closed. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: there's just kind of two schools of thought to this. I mean, that that makes sense to me because you don't want to show your hand to any clubs you're trying to buy from in terms of yeah. what your financial position is and also someone has suggested and and it may be true or may not be true but by moving the Sancho signing into or a potential Sancho signing into next financial year you can essentially for accounting purposes spread the cost out and keep and balance the books um, now that there may be true to that or not there have been a couple of Um, journalists who've suggested that United are intending to bid for him um, again this week Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if we chucked a bid in of some description on the 1st of October but you know whether it happens or not I don't it would require Dortmund to go against what they've said and accept a deal which is probably less than they've been trumpeting They won and also one that is relatively heavily
0: backloaded. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's a there's a danger of giving United a bit too much credit here, isn't there? <laughs> I don't. Well, we don't know. I mean, ultimately, hindsight hindsight will tell us, won't it? Um, yeah.
1: You know, if 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 we have waited until now to to try and do the deal f- fully, then there's a reason for that, and it's most likely to be financial, um, mm. rather than you know it may just have been that we weren't in any position to to make an offer, make the offer we needed to make in the in the this financial year um and also we probably needed to get some players out off the wage bill and and um and and, you know getting a little bit of money if we can i think i think smalling will go and that's a that's a decent wage saving and hopefully if we you know pick up i don't know 14 quid for him that's not a bad a bad deal for us and it wouldn't surprise me if two or three more disappeared either on loans or, or whatever and it, it may just be a case of not being able to commit to it until we know exactly where we're going to be financially over the next year in terms of wage bill
0: yeah i mean i guess the other thing to consider is that if ollie has said sancho's got to be the one and he's not so turned his nose up but suggested that the alternatives which been banded around which are what uh, douglas costa ivan perisic are far from ideal and not necessarily mm. the age bracket that he's looking for there's an argument to say that by stringing this out, however uncomfortable it has been during this year, that if United eventually get their man, even if it's been a ridiculous transfer saga, even by United standards, then you might look at it and say the end's justify the means. Now, whether mm-hmm. or not I... i do not not so sure I agree with that at times, but I guess with the financials involved, you know, yeah, it's not necessarily something I'd turn my nose up if United eventually end up getting the Sancho deal done. And if, as my hypothesis, Solskjaer is really pushing for Sancho or bust... Mm. then United feel they've got a chance of making it happen. Then maybe it'll all make sense. You know, Again, yeah. so much of trying to properly judge United's transfer window is going to come in this next sort of eight days or so. So it, mm. it's difficult to say. You know, Do I think that United potentially could have spent the money elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, there's something of a reasonable argument to say that United could have spent some of this money elsewhere over this period as opposed to, as you said potentially putting themselves in a difficult situation by spending so much money on one single player. But if the ends justify the means and we get Sancho and maybe a left-back slash centre-back to help balance out that defence, which, you know, five goals in two games so far this season, it's not looking mm. great in the league, then fair enough. Tellers does make sense in that
1: context. If you think we're trying to largely assign money somewhere else because you're looking at a guy who is he's a brazilian international left back although he's he's i think he's only just been called up for the second time but more importantly his contract runs out next year and so he's available for what is really quite cheap for a player of, of his level um, and you can and, and whilst people will um, complain about it and i understand why that is you can also understand why we would take this to the end of the window because porto have to sell him and if he's if he's committed to signing for united as we're kind of led to believe then at some point in the next week or so Porto are going to have to blink and get him out the door and so from my perspective that makes sense particularly again if we if we're if we're spreading that that payment out we get a player in a position we we do need to um strengthen and potentially leave the bulk of whatever the transfer kitty is um over you know spread over the next few years um on Sancho so that 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 makes some some sense to me even if even if we weren't to get sancho again that that's a deal that makes sense to me just because of the, the relative cost um and he won't be on absolutely massive wages either because you yeah. know whatever he's on at porto united will comfortably be able to improve on that
0: uh judson with the last one of the night uh what has happened to aaron mambasaka's positional sense do you think him consistently tucking inside and leaving acres of space out wide has anything to do with trying to cover for Lindelof's ineptitude mm. I think partially, if we're looking at yesterday's result or yesterday's performance in isolation, then a large part of that has to just be down to the fact that he stayed on the pitch longer than he should have done, and he was knackered.
1: I do think there was, a, I do think there was an issue with with the way he was positioning himself as well. I mean, we you spoke earlier about Bay coming on, and that that substitution to me made sense because by bringing on a third centre back, you were able to you could spread the back what would then be a back five out, allowing Wan-Bissaka to push further over. And actually deal with the guy in the left channel, but what actually happened was we got that five, and Wan-Bissaka didn't push out. He didn't spread across the pitch. He just stayed exactly where he continued to do what he was already doing, and that that ultimately was, was her undoing. And I think I think it's, there's part of it is his his fitness, but I think part of it was that he just didn't defend and he didn't hold the defensive shape in the way that he should have done. And I think yeah, do you think he didn't get the memo. Well, Oli did it, did sort of suggest after the game, you know, that that he that. Wan-Bissaka still has a lot to learn defensively and in terms of defensive shape, um, and I think you could see that. I don't know where he, I don't know where his head was for quite a lot of that performance. I think it was comfortably Wan-Bissaka's worst performance for United. Um, as you say, we're him cutting him some slack because he's not fit, but it, it wasn't just his fitness; it was the fact that he just wasn't concentrating and he wasn't spotting danger when it was there. Um, so that's definitely something that needs to be worked on over the next week.
0: Uh, I think we'll leave it there for this week, Rich. Uh, let's have a couple of predictions for Brighton on Wednesday, and then Spurs visit to Old Trafford on Sunday afternoon. What are you going for? Um, Wednesday's could
1: be anything, couldn't it? Um, I'm not super bothered either way, to be honest. Uh, you know, <laughs> if we enough. go through, if we go, if we win a game, we go through, and some more players get some get get more fitness, and that's great. If we go out, it's just games we don't have to play um, in yeah. a competition that I would have said, well, is always uh, the, the least. Uh, important of the competitions we're in anyway um and given the ridiculous schedule and the the compression of the season it's a competition that i think a lot of the top sides could well do without and you if you looked at the lineups that the, the biggest sides aside from chelsea have put out in in the this last round it, it looks almost like everyone wants to get knocked out as soon as possible um <laughs> so and then
0: um god next weekend who the hell knows I want the scummiest of 2-1 wins with a massive VAR penalty given right at the death yeah
1: that would be nice I, I would actually yeah i'd or even or even a late pogba winner oh after, that would be perfect after, after which he after which he runs over to the spurs bench and, and starts dabbing <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh perfect that's yeah. the shit house bingo fantastic
1: yeah. it's interesting actually in the um in the the amazon documentary to see Mourinho um, when before they played United at Old Trafford, um, actually I oh, know. Beg your pardon, it was before the 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 game at um, at White Hart, New White Hart Lane. This when after the restart and his biggest his biggest point was about the threat from Pogba. And the quality of his of his passing and his through balls, and he clearly really rates him as a player. Just something wasn't right between the two of them in that period, and yeah, I mean it would be nice to see Pogba do the dirty on him, regardless of who was at fault for that breakdown in relationship. It, it would be nice. Well, it's nice to see. It's nice to see Mourinho befall
0: any kind of misfortune, isn't it? Such as today. I can't objectively judge that handball decision against Eric Dyer today because mm. it ended up in Mourinho being upset. And when Mourinho is upset, I find it funny. Like the ham I mean, we're gonna be talking about the handball rule I'm assuming at several points during the season, and it's not gonna get any more interesting than it currently isn't. So nah. You know, it, it it was a harsh call, but I guess in keeping with the rules that we've seen so far this season, it was given. And you know, the argument against Spurs getting a result out of that game was that they were great in the first half, didn't score more than one goal, and when Son came off, they looked really limited. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. they deserved to draw the game; they probably deserved to win based on the balance of play. And that was Newcastle's only shot on target during the whole ninety-five minutes. But if you don't put teams away. Then you're not going to win. You know no. how many times have we seen that in this league? It, it's it's bread and butter stuff. So I, I really would feel worse for him and Spurs if he wasn't Spurs and it wasn't Mourinho. So and that's all I've got to say on the matter. Exactly. And let's hope <laughs> let's hope let's hope this is uh, rubbed in again next week. And I do hope, given Mourinho's
1: jibe at Oli today, that it's a penalty that wins us the game. Actually, screw oh. but Let's let's get it. Let's get a slightly dubious penalty, perhaps even for a handball like that one. Uh, and like Bruno one scores today. and then rubs his eyes. Yeah, Bruno scores and then rubs his eyes, and, and United yeah. win win two one. That would be nice. Uh, I'd love it. All uh, right, let's yeah.
0: see how that plays out next week, shall we? I'd love it. Yep. <laughs> Right, that's us done for this week. Thank you as ever for joining us. And as previously mentioned, if you would be so kind to drop us a review or rating on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app or ACAST or just to follow us on Spotify, that stuff really helps. I know we keep on going in about it, but it actually increases our rank on all these various apps and helps us get heard by whole more people, which is really useful for a podcast of our size. So anything you can do on that side is hugely welcome don't forget in the meantime you can get us on twitter you can get paul at paul gunning one rich at rich red voices and me at you and like this and the pod itself if you're not already following us which you really should be because i run it and i actually think it's quite funny that's red voices M we'll be back after the spurs game next weekend so in the meantime take care of yourselves bye